0: Today's guest, Mike Infante, is a wheelchair bodybuilder, content creator, and film director that suffers with cerebral palsy. It was a great conversation to have with him today, particularly having cerebral palsy myself and being a keen lover of sport and fitness, as well as discussing the differences between our two countries and the support available for disabled individuals. I really do hope you enjoy this episode, so please sit back, relax and enjoy. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning into The Not Quite Pod. This is just a quick message to say I'm really sorry about the buzzing noise at the beginning of this episode. It doesn't last long, so please sit back, relax and enjoy. Welcome to The Not Quite Podcast. I'm Charlie Randall. Let's get ready to rewrite the rule book. Welcome back to The Not Quite Pod and t- today we have Mike with us. Mike, do you want to give us a bit of an introduction to yourself?
1: Hi, my name is Mike Infante. I'm here in the US, and I am 20 years old, and I have cerebral palsy, and I do a bunch of stuff. I do bodybuilding, I do acting, I do directing, I do uh, public speaking. Awesome, awesome. So, tell us a bit more, because I know, I
0: think we both we both suffer with cerebral palsy, but what's, uh, how, do, how does your disability affect you? Um, what do you have, what challenges do you have, what do you find difficult what do you find easy
1: yeah um so my disability is it only affects the legs um i'm i'm very cognitive i, I understand things i am able to do things my handwriting my penmanship is, <laughs> is bad a little bit like i'm it's it's easier for yep. me to type so i'm easier at typing um, yeah. just like writing is like chicken scratch um but i like when i was younger i got bullied a lot for my disability i got teased a lot with my disability and when I was younger, I never really understood why I, why I got bullied or picked on. And as I got older, I was like, okay, people don't understand, you know, what I'm going through. They don't understand the disability, they don't understand, you know. To me, yeah. being with a disability, it's it's a normal thing, you know, because it's the only thing that we know growing up. And when you're younger, you're like, why can't? Why doesn't no one want to play with me? Why doesn't no one want to talk to me? Why doesn't no one want to hang out with me? And you're trying to get through that that hump of wondering and, and trying to understand why people don't want to be around you. And you're like, okay, as you get older, you're like, Okay they just they don't they just don't understand. So with me it was just the fact of I want to you know the challenge yeah. I face is I adapt. You know, I can't, you know, for you you've got your car, I still can't get my car. And I'm trying to get my car cuz it's expensive and you know I there's some places where I can't get up and reach high to yeah. like, the cabinet or whatever when I'm cooking in the kitchen. There's certain things where I adapt to, but I've learned to adapt my own ability that's and that's the way I,
0: I like, think we're but very it's similar. similar like my handwriting's terrible teachers try teachers try to make me do it in school it just never worked and like even yeah even even to this day if I like sign a birthday card it still looks like a four year old's written it uh, so I threw your pain exactly. there like I don't know where I'd be without a computer like I don't I don't know if I'd even
1: be where I am today if it wasn't for typing even that, and like the series, uh, the series speech, yeah. uh, the diction when you when you are yeah. and speaking on the phone, like that works even better. So it's like it's it's great, definitely. And then also for me, I've got dyslexia
0: as well, so like the whole thing is just a bad idea. <laughs> um, you mentioned obviously about the whole car situation because obviously um, I think you've seen on my socials. I'm I'm looking around for a new car, and I've got my car at the moment. So how does that like out over in the yeah. US? How does that work? How does the process of getting an accessible car, an adapted car work?
1: So in the US, so it's funny when I, when I was, when I turned 16, right, I'm 20, I'm 20 years old now, when I turned 16, everyone of my friends were getting cars and, you know, some of them had disabilities, some, de- some of them didn't. And I was like, I want to get a car. But then when I realized, like, how much it would be to get an accessibility car, you know, those vans, they're expensive over here because... First off, you need to take the test. You need to take the driving test, and then you need to get the car. So before you take the test, before you take any written exam or anything, you have to get the car because you can't take a driving test because they don't yeah. have a car at the DMV for you. Sure, like I looked at the numbers and I was like, it's like thirty thousand, thirty grand. I'm like, I can't spend that amount of money. I'm 16. I'm like, you know, I'm 20. I don't have yeah. I don't have that much income to come in with. So it's hard to get that. And the modifications, I don't know about your car, if you have, if it's like electric, you know, where I've seen certain cars where they have the door that's electric, so it just comes in, you press a button, and it closes on its own. So certain modifications like that, you have to, it it adds up. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, I'm
0: I'm very lucky. I don't need what they call over here a WAV, which is a wheelchair-accessible vehicle. Um, I have uh, a standard vehicle that drives with hand controls, a steering wheel ball to grab onto. And then I also have a pedal guard to stop me kicking the pedals by mistake. Um, So I'm quite lucky in that respect. But it's interesting because over in the UK, so we have what's called the Motability Scheme. And the Motability Scheme is essentially, it's a scheme that is funded by the government. They take a portion of your disability benefit um, and that pays for um your road tax um sort of um insurance uh road cover things like that so and then also that can also support you with if you say if i wanted a really small car i could do all of it without pay well without paying anything just having them take that amount of my allowance but um, if you want a bigger vehicle like i need you pay like a one-off payment so this could be uh, it can be sort of anything from like a hundred hundred dollars to like four thousand dollars it just depends on how how special you want your car to be um yeah and like whenever i've spoken to guys over in the u.s and like over in different countries it does make me realize like Wow, like we are so lucky to have that because I like you say, I, I wouldn't be able to do it without it. So it's interesting is there nothing similar to that over in the US at all?
1: In the US there's there's certain programs, but still, I mean the programs that we have over here you have to go through many, many steps. And you know how in the government, you know, with, with our with their disability stuff, with their income and all that stuff that comes in, it's a pain in the butt because a lot of them they, they try I don't know how it works in the UK but with us, they, they try to um, not go with it fully. So they try to um, I don't know how to word it, but we have to go through a, a yeah. bunch of hoops to get to the one thing that we need. Like with me for my, my income for disability, like I've had to have like ten different meetings in one month because something got messed up in another meeting. I'm like, I just had this fixed. I had a thing fixed. I, like they have you go. They have yep. you jump through hoops to get that one thing you need. And then you have to do it again because they have to like look at you and like, oh my goodness, submit all the paperwork again, submit all this. Yeah, I get, no, I get that. I mean, too too but it, our system, although
0: it sounds like it is a little bit more straightforward, they are just like they're very similar. Like they won't give you it straight away. Like they basically, over in the UK, they had like a rejig of disability, um, what we call disability living allowance. And basically, when I was a kid, I had what they called an indefinite award, which basically gave me. Your condition's not going to go anywhere, so we're not going to take your benefit off you ever, because you're going to need that f- for your life. Then they changed yeah. to what they call now call personal independence payment, um, and now I have to be reassessed every four years by some guy that just comes around my house, and I'm like, yep, <laughs> I'm
1: still in a wheelchair. That's still me. <laughs> yeah, I, I get, I get like, we, we get, over here, we get reassessed. We get the phone call. But, like I've had the, the the benefits when I was younger but what's weird is that when I was born my parents they they took it away from me um, and my parents had to pay it back so that's what's very weird about it because it's like it's like when you're born you know you yeah. tell the doctor oh he's got the disability and then you know when you're a baby you, you don't you don't know anything but your parent but my parents had to pay it back they had the benefits but they had to pay it back and then I got it back when I was sick when I was like out of high school so 18. And it's like it's very weird. It's a very, inter- it's a very nice system, but it's very weird in the sense where yeah, we have yeah. to go through the reassessments again and again and again, just all these different paperwork. Again. Like, like nothing's changed. I don't think that's yeah, changed. Like, I know. What problem, you mean. But it's it's crazy. So, like, um, was you born with your
0: your disability, or did you did something happen?
1: Yeah. So I was born with my disability. Um, I was born with it. I was supposed to be born sometime in, I believe. September or Octoberish. I was born originally on July sixth, and I was born too early. I was born too early. I was born um two pounds six ounces, so a, a tiny, small little baby, micropremi. And um, the doctors told my mom like, "Hey, my mom's twenty one, right?" And my mom was like, "Something's not right. Something's not right. Something. I don't. Something isn't right." And you know, I'm the first kid. I'm the first child she has. And doctors are like, yeah, "There's yeah, you're you're nervous. You know, you're twenty one. You know, you're young. You think." You, you know, everything's fine. Come to find out, when I was born, my foot was stuck. My, my foot was stuck in the canal or something. And um, my mom had to have an emergency uh, surgery on me, get me out. And the doctors kept telling her, abort me. You know, I would be, I would be born deaf, blind, mute. I wouldn't be able to do the things yeah. that I, you know, people didn't believe in me. Even the doctors didn't believe in me then. Um, I had a hole in my heart. Um. Wow. And I was in the hospital for, for a few months. And then I had, ever since then, when I was born, I had many surgeries. I've had um, serial casting in my legs. I had the rhizotomy. I had Botox. A lot of things to relieve or just relieve the spasticity in my legs. And um, what's, what's crazy is that after all the surgeries, the doctors still never believed. They never believed in me ever since I was born. And that's what still comes yeah. to me. Like, they never believed my mother. And they wanted, they wanted them to abort me. Um, my mom believed in me and knew that I would be here. I mean, and without uh, her, do you be reckon here. that sort
0: of like made you into the person you are today? As cliche as that sounds. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, think I always exactly. related to people always ask like, oh, if you got the option tomorrow, would you hand back your disability if you got the chance? And I, I to be honest, I don't think I would. I'm too. I, I I sit there and I think all these opportunities that I've got purely because I'm disabled, and this would have yeah. never happened if I didn't do this or this. So like, I don't think I ever would.
1: Would you? Well, it, well, it's crazy that you said it because I, I think at some point in our lives, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know for a fact when I was younger, I wanted to, you know, experience. You know, I was I was jealous. You know, and the kids would without disabilities, because they can walk, you know, independently, they can do all these different things, you know, they, they can run, they can yeah. climb on the on the jungle gym, you know, I wanted that when I was young, because I wanted to experience that, um, but now as I'm older, I'm like, you know, with social media, and just the knowledge that I have now, I'm, I'm still 20, and, you know, I'm 20 years old, and I'm still young, and I have more, you know, I love learning, but the fact that I know that I'm making more of an impact now, and the opportunities that I've had, you know, talking to you, and just spreading more awareness and disabilities, it's very fascinating to me. I love that impact even more because now that I look back at it, I'm like, if I if I wasn't born with this disability, you know, my life wouldn't be where it is today. And I'm very grateful for, the, for that. It's like a blessing in disguise because when you're younger, you're like, you know, I don't like this stuff. I don't yeah. like the surgeries. I don't like the pain. I don't, you know, I wish something else would change because, you know, when you're younger, you, you don't like the surgeries. You don't, you don't like the pain. You don't like the doctor visits and all these different things. But now you're like, wow. Look at how far we've come. Look at how far the journey is. It's like a long yeah. climb, but you yeah, definitely. Should, you're here definitely. And you and more to
0: come. You grow into yourself. Like I was I was very similar, like I hated the surgeries, I hated the teasing. I mean I'm also ginger as well, so that was a whole other thing. Um so yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree, like you grow almost grow into your yourself and your condition and then it becomes a part of even
1: more part of you, if that makes sense. Absolutely, you get that. You get that idea of self comfort and just believing in yourself. You get that. Uh, what's that word? You you get more confidence. Yeah, definitely, in- definitely. Um, you mentioned that you had rhizotomy. Did you have
0: SDR, selective dorsal rhizotomy? Shit, man, we yes, had the same surgery. Yes. I didn't realize that. Bruh. where did you um,
1: where did you go for yours? Yeah, I, I had that. I, I had that when I was eleven. I had that when I was 11, so about... How long ago was that? Damn, was we literally 20, had it the 2012, same 20, year. 2013,
0: 2012? I think, so, I had mine, I think it was February 2012. <laughs> Damn, that's weird. That's really weird. Wait, did you have it done in California? or Because I had mine in St. Louis. Yeah,
1: we... we, we. We had it done in California. They had a doctor that that was from St. Louis, I believe. Um, I I think his name was yeah. Doctor Cercello or something. Oh, I, but he came to California. Yeah, I know of did, him. Did he, I had do, mine do done you know by
0: Doctor uh, Park in um, in St. Louis.
1: So okay, yeah. So he he uh, came over to California, and this is the time when I was in sixth grade. So it, it's um, you know I don't know if you're in the UK, but we'd go to like during your sixth grade or sixth level yeah. i don't know what the what the uh school levels are there um but when i'm a, when i was 11 we had this trip but i did i never got to go in sixth grade because i had the surgery so i missed half a year um of that year before i promoted so that's mad yeah that's crazy I I was I, for a minute there i thought have we crossed paths and just not realized
0: <laughs> um So, like, how did you find... Because a lot of people ask me about my recovery from SDR. Um, How was yours?
1: My recovery was was painful. I mean, it was painful in the fact that when I had the surgery, I've had all these new sensations that I never knew that I would get. You know, I experienced a burning sensation that I felt like I was on fire. Yeah. I felt like I had pins and needles. And... I just felt restless. I remember there was one point in in the recovery process, because I was in the hospital every single day. My parents would come and visit me, but I felt restless. Like I couldn't do anything. And I was just lying in bed. I had a doctor come in, you know, tell me what the pain level scale is, what the your scale on the, you know, point what where your pain's at. And you feel like you're just going through the same motions every single day, and you feel like you're not doing anything, and you have all this energy whoop, like inside of you that you can't get out and I felt restless because I wanted to do certain things but there's certain things I couldn't do and just all the pain and the medication and all that stuff it just felt weird to me um and the PT process was um very new to me too because I you know we had the PT every day we had the walk with the parallel bars every day we used the... the did, you, did you use the gate? I don't know what it is. It's the, the, the lab gate. The You know that machine where they put you in there and you're in like a little bungee cord and they no, push, have no, you push the machine? No, um, I don't think
0: I... I they put I me on. I, I just remember, as you say, they did the the daily walks, the daily PT. Um, and then, yeah, it was just... yeah. To me, it was just a very shocking experience because I obviously coming from the uk essentially i spent five weeks living in the us and it was like shit you guys live real different
1: like this is really different how how was yours how was your, your stand thought? uh mine uh, was pretty being, good like pain wise
0: surgery. i wasn't too bad um i didn't get too much pain obviously there was general soreness from where obviously i'd just been cut open but but um no, I got the pins and needles, yeah. and I got the burning sensation. So I can re- I can relate to that completely. I know exactly what you're on about. And uh, the pins and needles was the weirdest thing, like because I just remember waking up. Going, it almost felt like well, technically we did. We've just had our brain rewired, and it just felt like a really weird. And nothing exactly. felt normal. Everything felt really strange. So, but um, my stay in the hospital was pretty good. The the only problem I had was. I wasn't ready for the weakness. the weakness that I had was ridiculous like i like I oh, had weren't. very little to go. My parents didn't tell me very much. I think to try and protect me, they just didn't tell me, but then I woke up and like it was just weird like I remember yeah. so I, I don't know about you, but after like five days, they let you out of out of the bed, but I couldn't even hold my head up. I couldn't do anything. It was weird, real, really weird, like one thing I remember. One thing I remember really clearly is um, I had to get my dad to stand in front of me while I was sitting on the toilet because I couldn't hold my head up. Because if he wasn't there, I was just gonna fall straight off the toilet. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So it was weird. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. That surgery, like the way the way I picture it now, is like we like it's like it's very weird because before the surgery, you know. My legs were so tight. I don't know if your legs were so tight, but they cut the, they cut the back of the, uh, yep. or they cut, you know, they went in the back of her spine to do it. And, uh, I used to walk independently 30 steps, you know, before the surgery. And now I can't even do that. I can't even do that now on my own, you know? And it sucks cause I, 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 I still haven't got that stamina back or that strength back that I, you know, usually I would be able to walk, you know, get up from bed and then walk like 30 steps to the kitchen. When I when I was you know younger, now I can't even do that because it's after the surgery, I was able to, right. I was right. never able to recover that back.
0: No, that I mean sense. I, I don't ever I've never do. been never been able to walk independently. So through SDR, I was able to do like one or two steps on my own. But um, I think to be honest, it's just getting used to that yes. whole because as you say, we're so tight in that because the way Doctor Park uh, explained it to me was like he was like you're basically using your tightness to hold yourself up. And if I take that away, you're actually relying on your muscles, which you at the moment haven't got. So I was like, oh, okay. So essentially, I think I was once I had it explained to me, it made more sense. But what was really interesting, I think, was so SDR was the catalyst to me becoming the fitness freak that I am now. So when I came out of surgery, uh, when I came back from St. Louis, I was a typical teenager. All I wanted to do was play, play, play video games, go out with my friends. I didn't, I didn't want to do the work. But basically, Dr. Park said to me, look, if you don't do the work, you're going to end up worse than you started out. And I was like, okay, I have to do it. But then um, I'd argue with my parents. I'd do this, that, and the other. And then what happened was I went to the London 2012 Olympics and watched some of the swimming. And I remember really vividly, I turned around to my dad and said, I want to do that. And dad went to me, are you crazy? I was like, maybe, but yeah, basically I spent the next like four years just in the pool constantly. And then obviously now, now gone more into bodybuilding and weight training. Yeah. And so that was actually, SDR was the reason I'm now the fitness freak that I am, I guess. So that's what, that's what got you into
1: fitness, huh? What about you? What got you into fitness? As uh, it, funny as I mean, as as cliche as it sounds and as cute as it sounds, uh, when I was younger, I got, I don't know if you watched uh, if you heard of Sylvester Stallone or Rocky Balboa. So when I yeah, was younger, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was my jam. When I was younger, <laughs> that was like my Bible. <laughs> okay, I used to watch Rocky every single day, and my dad used to put it on, and I used to watch it for hours and hours and hours. And I, uh, my dad used to. Um, he used to train boxers he was a boxer himself and um i i used to like copy him you know follow my dad and my dad is a very big a uh, huge fitness fanatic so growing up you know I didn't know exactly what I was doing but i was copying. i was copying my dad because was like i wanna be like my dad you know i wanna i wanna be strong as him and uh just watching rocky you know just watching what my dad did um you know I wanted to do that and growing up I never really understood you know what he was doing but i I just did it because i loved it and uh, my my whole family used to get into boxing my uncle used to do boxing so when i was younger i had these pair of gloves that he that he gave me and uh, i started practicing with that and then when i was younger i remember in preschool we had this uh, little balloon in the middle of the room right and i Mm -hmm. i I guess like the day of the week or whatever on it and i used to picture that in my head as that uh, the little punching bag you have hung up by Rocky, you know, the little punching bag that they have. I used to picture that, like the balloon doing that in the middle of the preschool doing that, like one, two years old, like at four, four, three, uh, three or four years old, and you know, ever since then I've been doing it. Um, so right now I've been getting more into bodybuilding and just more, you know, yep. more bodybuilding, more, more that. Um, but I've been more into fitness all my life, and I have siblings too, so my dad's been always instilling in us. You know, he gave us that pathway of okay. fitness. So, like, how um how, how many brothers and sisters have you got then? All brothers or sisters,
0: or you got a mix?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have three sisters, uh, one brother, and I'm the eldest.
0: Ah, okay, fair enough.
1: So, that, are they all into training some, as well then? Some of them aren't. Some some of them are. Some of them aren't. Uh, my brother, he's not in the. He's not in the training. Um, when he was younger, he loved he loved to box. He loved to do that. I mean, he, he was like a little Michael Jackson with the boxing. He had the gloves, <laughs> he had the style, he had the charisma and everything. You know, he 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 did the uh, the moonwalk and everything when he was boxing when he was younger. But he um he doesn't like that now. He uh, he more yeah. he more or less likes the video games now. He likes that. Uh, my younger baby sister Lexi, she loves it. Like she's only seven and she loves it. She just she loves it. Um so every time I'm in the garage or just working out working out, she's like, I want a box, I don't know box. <laughs> okay, don't hit me. <laughs> um but she loves it. Um my other my other two my other two sisters, they are uh one's into wrestling and then the other one she's more into Roblox. I don't it's like it's not like an online game um for little kids. I don't know if you heard of that. Oh. Oh, okay. I, uh, I don't it's, think the kind of like, the way uh, the way I see it is like Minecraft. The way I, the oh, way okay. I'm understanding it is like Minecraft in that way. I'm not sure if she can correct yeah. you in that, but that's she loves that game. Um so yeah, I mean not everyone's in the fitness, but they all have, they all have their own, you know, things that they like in their own style. And that's my dad and my mother always yeah. told us, you know, just do what makes us happy. Um cool. so they cool. have their own little hobbies.
0: So going back back a bit, I want because I actually haven't got to this point. I keep going to do it, and then COVID happened or something happened, and it stopped me doing it.
1: Yeah. Right, so I know that you've com- you've competed. How was that whole
0: having... experience? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you know it's crazy that you said about the COVID and everything, COVID and COVID pushing everything back. So I was supposed to compete uh, that you I I was supposed to compete two years ago, right? But COVID messed everything up here in the states and everything and everything I pushed back i mean i had i i was supposed to have my debut in july of 20 no july of 2020 and i got pushed back and then i got pushed back to october and then i got pushed back a year and then i got okay i was like okay how do you, like how long is this covid how long is this covid thing going to last cuz i was like everyone kept pushing shows back and, and kept like trying to push up shows I'm like okay so what is it exactly and i i competed uh finally october of 2021 this year uh, not this year, last year, <laughs> uh, last year. And I was the first one on that stage, you know, they were still trying to, before the show started, before everything started, um, I was talking to the promoter, uh, the, you know, the promoter of the show, Bob Bell of the WMBF. And he was my adopted PE teacher when I was very young. So he knew me at a very young age. And, um, you know, he, he did bodybuilding, you know, and, After I graduated high school, I was like, hey, I called him up. I was like, hey, Bob, I want to do bodybuilding. He's like, how do you want to do it? Do we have a wheelchair division? He's like, yeah, we've had a wheelchair division. We never, you know, we've had it, you know, years, years back, but we never brought it back. And I said, I want to bring it back. You know, I want to bring it back. Let's see what we can do to bring it back. Because I realized that there's a bunch of different federations, but there's no federation. I mean, there's a bunch of federations for wheelchair bodybuilding, but there's no federation that you know his federation has no wheelchair athletes so i want to be the first one that you know can bring it back and um i was the first one that brought it back in october no one else competed i was the only one that competed um but that was very surreal that was very surreal i enjoyed it i enjoyed the process the tanning was cold i'm not gonna lie about that. the tanning and everything was cold as heck like they don't warn you about the tanning like they spray on you like hey so it's cold um my dad took pictures of everything. He's like, he's like, you're jumping. You're cold. I'm like, it's cold. <laughs> um, but um, I enjoy, you know, the diet. The, the whole journey leading up to uh, October uh, last year when I first competed, it was a long haul. It was completely a long haul, um, you know, because COVID messed everything up. And I was like, I was really excited. And I was also really sad because I was like, I trained for how many months? And now I got pushed back and I got pushed back again. So there was no really like consistency on where the show was actually going to go. Um but I'm I'm very proud that I did it I'm gonna, and I'm going to continue to do it. So I, I love it. I respect that. How did you find because that like obviously I've
0: followed loads of fitness YouTubers, I've watched them go through the process. How did you find the like final week of like really dialing
1: in? How did you how did that you was, find that? That was to me, it it was very interesting and very new because I was during the final week I was still dialing in my posing routine. I was still dialing it in because I don't know if you have the same problem. With my disability, I, um, you know, I have a very, since I've done theater and since I've done stage work, I have a very uh, photo, not, I have a very, what's that word? Like, I, I can remember pictures and faces off the bat. I can remember steps. I can remember things off the bat. So that,
0: yeah, yeah. So, graphic, so I Project have graphic memory. that.
1: But when I was doing the poses, I was trying to get the pose on beat. I was trying to hit the poses on beat, and I was like, "This is hard for me to do." But I really, I really found it tiring too because during that final week, I was dieting, I was cutting up water, I was you know eating a bunch of rice, drinking a lot of water, you know, making sure that all these different things would flow through. Did it affected your like? Did your disability play any part in it? Uh, so my disability, my disability played a part in it in The very beginning of the of the bodybuilding journey when I first started, and I, you know, during the duration of COVID and, and when training was starting for me, um, because I've had um, so I had shoulder injuries, you know, for not, not technically shoulder injuries, but I have a shoulder pain. I don't that I don't know if that's been a pain, I don't know if that's been a struggle for you as well, but for me, because I know for a fact I use my crutches a lot, I use my wheelchair a lot, and, you know, I push myself a lot. So a lot of my upper body strength is coming from my you know my, my upper body. You know, that's how I move my body. That's how I move. That's how I live my life because my legs aren't as strong. So in the beginning process of prep, I, I had a very, very sharp pain on my shoulder. And I was like, this hurts. I can't do pull-ups. I can't do, like, I can't do anything. You know, I can do things, but like, it hurts to do it. And I was like, okay, that hurts. And I got, it got better. And then, like, about a year before that i broke my i broke my thumb i broke my thumb i was with my buddy training um um he wanted to get into training too and i broke my thumb that day by showing him nice. my movement and i broke i my was
0: thumb. i'm always terrified of breaking like anything to do with my upper body i'm like if i break anything i'm just screwed i'm just it's game over <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly. And that's how it was because I was in the bed. You know, I called my mother and I was like, "Mom, guess what?" She's like, "What happened?" I broke my thumb. I like, I showed her, I showed her my cast and everything. I was like, "I broke my thumb." I like, okay, so what are you doing now? I'm not in bed. I can't do it. I can't, you know, push myself for about a week. I can't push myself for like about a few months because um, I can't, you know, you can't yeah, push no. with on one arm and then with the other arm. You know, you can't. <laughs> it's very difficult. Um, but I, I did face a lot of challenges, um, just physically with that during prep, and then also mentally, um, you know, you get in the sense, well, you know, having been my first show, I had a lot of pressure on myself, you know, I wanted, I wanted to do good, I wanted to, you know, raise more awareness for disabilities out there, I wanted to make sure that I brought my package the best way I could, you know, I wanted to bring the best physique I could, and um, that to me was more mentally... You know, on my, on my mind is a goal because I wanted to make sure that we get the word out. We we got, you know, what we came to do and we came to do our best and we came to get the word for disabilities. You know, I was, even though I was the only one on that stage, you know, when you hear people say it's you versus you, yes, it's you versus you all the time. It's you versus you all the time. You look yourself in the mirror. There's nothing else but that, but you want to make sure that you got the right. You know, you want to make sure people understand that, hey, we're not here to play around. This is the Wetcher division. Come get more athletes Come in here. That's the pressure that I put on myself because um, I wanted to do that. Um, but I really enjoyed the process. But it was just, you know, those. it's a roller coaster. You know, it was a roller coaster of emotions because you, the diet, the mentality, you know, you can't sleep most nights because you're like, I got to eat. I got to do this. I got to wake up in the middle. I got to drink this bunch of water. So all these different things played in a factor that I never really, I never realized. I never knew what bodybuilding was until then, until I started this journey. Um so I really never knew like how much of a lifestyle it is and I fell in love with it. I mean that's like so I, I always really like,
0: say, Oh how do you like how do you stay committed to it? How do you stay how do you stay on your goals? How do you do this? How do you do that? And like for example, my sister's a prime example. She's one of those people that she'll go to the gym for like six weeks, stop, leave it for three months, go back. And it's like I constantly have to explain to people if you convert your mindset to i'm instead of i'm going to do this for six weeks uh, six weeks of dieting to this is now what i do your results are going to be a lot more sustainable you're going to see more because you're just it's consistent and you're not it's not like because i'm a strong believer. right don't do the whole uh, unless you're on prep prep's a different thing but unless you're on prep. You don't need to cut out everything. You don't need to cut out <laughs> the chocolate. You don't need to cut out this, cut out that. You can even drink if you want to drink. Drink like yeah. fine. But as long as you stay committed to the goal. And it, I just can't seem to get this through to people. Exactly.
1: But um God. Exactly. People are like Exactly. People just want to take the shortcut. <laughs> And also, like, how did you find
0: the whole, um, so with in regards to, like, the prep, because I always, were, with me, if I went on to prep, whether I'd have more muscle spasms, more cramps, uh, like, more mu- general muscle tightness, um, general pain, how, how, how was that? I know, obviously, you broke your thumb, but apart from breaking your thumb, <laughs> what, uh, what other, was there anything else that sort of played a, played a part?
1: Uh, that played a part? I would say cardio um cardio for me because i don't know about you because i don't know if you use a treadmill because i know you use your walker i know you use that um for me cardio was a big issue um because i you know yeah. in the wheelchair there's only so much you can do in cardio you know to target a certain part of body fat where it's like i'm pushing i'm pushing but right? nothing nothing you know nothing you know the fat's still there the fat you know there's still fat there and you still need to cut down so there's a it played a factor in that um but there's also times where i was like I went really hard one day in a, in a workout, in a training day, and then the other day I was like, I'm, I'm completely sore. I can't, I can't move. I can't get out of bed. So, what I realized is during this process, also, you know, I'm taking creatine. I'm taking my protein. I'm taking, you know, pre-work. I'm taking all these things, you know, help me, you know, do what I need to do during the training session. But I realized that also with body bodybuilding, just, just our day-to-day lives, you know, pushing ourselves in the woods or walking around using our body most of the time, it's taxing. It's taxing. Like, you never really knew, you really never realized that people with disabilities, like, we're young, but we have yeah. bodies of 80-year-olds, you know, because our bodies yeah. are, are, are gone through a lot, you know. We, we get back pain and we wake up in the morning we're like, we can't get up, it's like back pain. Yeah, cause we're, yeah, yeah, we're I, like,
0: I, I, I see that. My back, I'm like a little like 84 year old man already. Like <laughs> My back is constantly killing me. Um, actually, so like, so, Uh, do, do you know what to, like one of my main forms of cardio is like sw- swimming. Do you not, is there, do you not have any pools nearby or, I suppose in California, you must be not far from the sea.
1: <laughs> I, I well, okay, in, in like SoCal in LA, yeah, I mean that, that's oh, close okay. to the ocean, but i have to, like two hours away from here. Uh, I'm not LA, but LA is like further down, but I'm I'm up north here. So, but I do have a pool, but for me, ever since the surgery, I don't know why. When I was younger, I used to I used to love the water. I used to love the water, but after surgery, for whatever reason, I I forgot how to swim. I forgot how to swim. So every time I get in the pool, my I can walk in. I can walk in the pool. But I'm like, I'm a fish out of water, trying to figure out how to swim again, how to get, how to you know get back in the mindset of old Mikey, you know, being 11 years old, loving, lo- loving swimming. But after surgery, like everything, I had to relearn everything. So I never relearned really how to swim again. I can relate to that. But I do. Have I have that. a funny
0: story to go with that. So when we were in St. Louis, uh, our hotel that we stayed in, well, I said hotel it was like an apartment hotel. So you had the hotel facilities, but you also had your own apartment um anyway so the the complex had a swimming pool and um i've always loved swimming always have since i was a kid and um basically after my six weeks post uh no actually i think it was in, i say six weeks i think it was only 10 days i had to wait for the scar to heal um before i could go in the pool and i was like oh cool your 10 days are up you can go in the pool okay well, let's get you sorted he helped me into the pool and normally i'd just swim off and carry on i just sank to the bottom and Dad yeah. was like, shit, i got to go in and get him. <laughs> so he's dived in to get me. Because basically, like you said, I used to use my spasticity to swim. And now that had been taken away from me, I, my brain just didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I spent that summer just relearning how <laughs> to swim. And it was just... Was a nightmare, absolute nightmare. But then I suppose it worked out in the end. So if you're ever in the UK, maybe I can get you in the pool and we we can uh, we can go through a couple of sessions.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm definitely, I definitely want to go to the UK. I definitely want to go out of places and travel, just different places. I've never been to the UK. I never went to the UK. I have a lot of friends in the UK, it's like including you, and a lot of fans in the UK. Like I looked at my Instagram, I looked at Instagram analytics. I looked at that. I have a bunch of fans in the UK. I'm like I never knew that. So I want to go. I want to go visit the UK. Have you had, have you done? Those uh, yeah, traveling? I've done. I've done a lot of traveling. Not not out of t- not out of state, but like just you know in LA, Hollywood oregon seattle different places here in the u.s but i would love to travel out of the u.s and just explore that more because the world is so big i mean there's so many people that i know around the world that i want to go visit but i'm like i can't go visit i want to go visit
0: (laughs) so uh, but to be fair you'll probably become a big director at some point and then just
1: everyone will pay you to just go everywhere (laughs) that's a dream that's the dream because like, there's a lot of places around this world and just this world is beautiful you know through our ups and downs it's we have different beautiful places around the world that we need to go visit definitely definitely i mean i'm very lucky
0: obviously living in europe it's quite easy to like uh, i suppose for us going to europe is like you going to la it's the same sort of distance <laughs> yeah um Going to uh, talking about like directing, what got
1: you into uh, that? So when I was younger, um, I was eleven years old at the time, before I did music videos, before I did directing, before I, you know, made a name for myself here directing, I did YouTube vlogs. Um, like I, I know you've done YouTube videos and you've done YouTube content before. I did that when I was eleven years old and this was during the time of the of the rhizotomy. And I was bored out of my mind in the hospital. So I told my mother, I was like, Mom, you know, let's do your YouTube channel. She's like, What do you want to do a YouTube channel? Like Maybe, you know, because first off, I'm bored. I don't mind. I'm watching cable. But, I, you know, maybe this could inspire more people, you know, people my age at 11 years old, you know, th- that have gone through the same surgery or something that can, you know, feel that they're not alone. And I started doing that when I was a little with my mother. And um, ever since then, in middle school and high school, I did the YouTube trailers for my high school for the theater shows, for like the theater productions and everything. So I did the promotional trailers. I did that. And then in high school that after high school i got involved in a documentary that i'm in a documentary the story policy warrior the director reached up to me and i i just more on that later but i, I talked to a lot of people in there and they're like hey you should do music videos i was like music videos i never done music videos i've never done that i've done the, i've done like trailers i've done acting i've done the, i've done that but i'm like i've never done that so you know i've learned a bunch of stuff from my mother from editing and just now with music videos it's like I've incorporated the edits I learned from my mother in the past and from things I, uh, I've accumulated on my skill set. So I, you know, I've come from a theater background. I've come from a stage theater performance background. So a lot of my stuff is on stage and a lot, a lot of it's like on screen acting. So a lot of my ideas um, stem from that, from that background um, for doing, for doing music videos. Um, so I really enjoyed, I've shot videos from people, you know, all, all here in California um, just a bunch of different people. It's very interesting. It's very new, but I've done it for two years, and I I enjoy it.
0: And it it sounds like it sounds like you've got a really like close bond with with your mum in terms of like is she a video is she a videographer?
1: No, uh, so my mother she she loves uh, photography. She loves photography. Um, but just when I was younger, um, she she also like we had this old camera that i still use in high school that she had she had when i was born we we still had it and i used it for all the videos um but when we, when we did youtube together when we did youtube videos uh, she was like hey let's do this you know let's make it a mother and son thing you know youtube channel and that's what we did um so she used to do the editing and i used to you know watch the editing or just you know watch and see what she did and i would get it from her so a lot of that technical stuff she she taught me but now, as I'm older, she's like, I don't know any of this stuff anymore, so I teach her again, and, it, it, you know, it, it's like that full circle thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's really cool. I mean, like, it sounds like, to be honest, I'm quite impressed by the fact, like, my 11-year-old brain would not go, sod it, let's, let's make a YouTube channel. Like, where did that, like, obviously you said, like, you wanted to share your story, share and and help yeah. people, but I just can't, like, I don't know, why like, I would never have thought of that at, like, 11. Just, okay, we're going to do a
1: YouTube channel. (laughs) Well, the funny thing about that is, too, like, in the hospital, when I was in the hospital, when I was 11, my parents never had cable. We never had cable in the house. We never had Disney Channel or anything. Because we had a few times, you know, Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, Mm -hmm. those shows that that are very popular. I don't know if they're in the States, in the UK, but, like, we've had Nickelodeon, you know, all these different channels that we can never get. The WWE uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, you know, all these different things. And uh, when I was younger in the hospital, since I, was in the hospital when I, since I was in the hospital for so, so long, I loved watching the TV because that was the only cable that we had. They had the good channels on there. We never had the good channels back at home. So that, and then um, the whole idea started when I talked to my mom. I was like, Mom, you know, I want to be on the TV one day. She's like, why do you want to be on the TV one day? Well, first off, you know, I love cable. I love watching people, you know, on Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, things like that. I was like, what if we do a YouTube channel that, you know, I want to be on TV. I don't know how I'm going to get on TV, but I want to get on TV. And just, you know, I want to, ch- shape not not to be on TV for the fame or for anything, but for the fact that I don't see anybody with a disability that looks like me that's on the TV, you know. And I, I've always had that mindset in my mind, and that's when I think that's when the YouTube started. Um, so I've connected with people in Australia, uh, Florida, and different places in Japan, and just everywhere. And here in the UK, especially with you now. Um, so it's it's very fascinating to me that, yeah. that YouTube is a very, it's a big blessing. You know, it's a big blessing because you never realize how big the platform is. Definitely, definitely. And I think as well, like when
0: you, uh, like if I think back now to like when we were, like when you were 11, that must have been like prime YouTube boom time. So like you probably rode that wave quite nicely, to be fair. Did you, like, was there such, because I know here, there was, I say there was, like, the YouTube boom. Did you have that over in the state? So, like, these random vloggers, vloggers uh, that just, like, appeared and vlogging became a thing and it was this big, If big, I remember
1: correctly, back when I was alone, I think that's when, when the vlogging started, um, I, I I got in contact, I used to watch this, this young girl that was 13, I think she was, she was older than me, but she had cancer. Her name was Talia Joy. And, um, she, she lived in Florida here in the States, but she, uh, she was very popular then. And I used to connect with another person with a disability. She's in Australia. She was a CP as well, Robin Lambert. So I connected with them and they were very big on YouTube. She was very big on YouTube and she's still big on YouTube now. Um, she, she does the special, the special Olympics, you know, she does the special Olympics. Um, I think the last time I talked to her, she was in Japan, uh, doing something for the special Olympics. Um, but I, but she was my big YouTube sister. so I never really I never really got the the YouTube boom in a sense, but I, I've learned from them and I've watched you know I've connected with the youtubers back then uh, that were very popular on that platform and I, I've continued to to you know learn and just you know spread my my positivity on that. So uh, if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really cool because it sort of shows that you naturally you naturally learn from others really well, which I find really interesting because that, that's a skill I'd probably say I've only just learned. Whereas it sounds like you've I love connecting. Always had that. I,
1: love, I love connecting with people when just talking to people like you. I, I love making new connections because connections go a long way. You know, my mother yeah. always used to tell me. My parents always used to tell me it's not what you know, but it's who you know. Because in in the world, it's like. You can you can do so many. You can get you can get a, a, a rocket surgeon degree. You can do all these different things. You know all these different accolades. But it's also who you know. Because if you're good if you're a good person at communicating, connecting, that's also going to get your foot in the door in many different places. So it's it's going to lead you into fr- friendships, bonds, and different things like that. So with you, I think we connected two years ago. I don't remember when we connected, but you know, yeah, it was, now it was quite a lot of guys. So here we are. I mean, it it's, it goes full circle. So I I truly believe in that. Like you got to have these good connections and good book and good bonds with people genuinely and see everyone win and that's and that's what I live for.
0: That's definitely like I say it's weird cuz that's something that I've only just learned whereas as I say you sound like you've always had that whereas now like literally I can relate to everything you've just said but it's a very new it's a very new thing for me. So like I'm quite impressed by the fact that you cottoned on to that so early. It's, it's really impressive but on the note of like um, Thank you I that. your acting how have you found that because I, I did acting in school um, and the main reason I didn't pursue it as like a career was essentially I don't know whether it's the same amount in the States but you're always casted to type which basically means that you're always casted as the wheelchair guy and I was like how many opportunities are going to come up for the wheelchair guy yeah. to make it a
1: career yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah i mean here in the here in the here in u.s we have the thing as well it's called typecasting um so i never really got my big youtube i never really got my big acting career break i never really yeah. got that in the you know those people that say you got i got i got my break i got my break i you know i got all these contracts i never got that i never got that but i i i did uh theater when i was 11 right so after the rhizotomy a lot of things started changing for me. You know, I started doing acting, you know, I wanted to get into acting because I, I realized, hey, you know, I never done acting, but I want to do it. I want to get into it because when I was younger, yes, we had these little uh, holiday concerts, you know, when you're in preschool, you have these little holiday performances and things like that, but I never really, you know, pursued that, you know, growing up. So when I figured, my mom got the email saying, oh, there's this local community theater that's going on. Let's do it. So I auditioned for it. It was Wind of the Pooh. And I got Eeyore. So I, I had my walker and I had I had my walker, <laughs> and I had the tail in the back of my walker. Right? The tail was on the back of the walker. I was all in grey. This is my first acting, you know, acting, you know, show ever that I did and I loved it. I love the fact that, you know, I'm on stage and people, you know, there are other people that are younger than me that played, you know, Piglet, they're like Brew or, you know, those other characters, and and they were very surprised by I me. Mean, They were all, they were all very surprised by me because I had a disability and that they weren't expecting someone to play, you know, ear with a disability. Um, So there's a bunch of different factors. I've I've been to casting calls, you know, I've been to casting calls. I've been to agency calls. I've been to different auditions, open auditions for talent, but I never really got my big break. Um, But I've done theater for a very long time. Um, I did Willy Wonka. I did To School the Musical. I did Doctor Shoes, I did Lickly Blonde. I did Ooh. Once on This Island. I did Beauty and the Beast. I've done a bunch of different things. Um, Greece? Have you? I don't know if you heard. Of, I don't know if you heard of Greece. I, I did. Yeah, Greece. we got I, Greece. Yeah, we got Greece. I did <laughs> I did Greece. We did, Greece. I did uh, White Christmas. Uh, there's many shows I still want to do. You know, there's there's Hunchback in Notre Dame. Um, cause the only thing, I, the only reason why I want to do that is because it has, it, it talks about a person with a disability, you know, it had, you know, Quasimodo, you know, that's a very powerful story. Um, and I, I've, always wanted to portray, you know, someone I've always wanted to be in the show or being in a TV show or be in a role that has someone, you know, with a disability, with an actual disability, because nowadays on, yeah. on TV, the media and plays and things like that, we don't have any of that anymore. You get the you get the guy that or you get the person that doesn't have you know that doesn't have the disability, but, but plays the person yeah. with the disability, and that and that's what kind of bugs me. That, that that really bugs me. That makes me sad because like you have all these different people that are aspiring actors too that have disabilities and they want to have those opportunities, but you never give them those opportunities. You give them to a guy or give them to a person that you know doesn't have disability. It's like like why why are like why are they playing that when they don't when they don't live or they don't understand. You know the way we live that lifestyle of that person with a disability.
0: Definitely, it's the same over here. Like it's always that it's very rare. Well, actually, to be fair, it's changing in British media. They they are now casting more disabled actors. In fact, they've just had our um, uh, the first down kids with Down kid with Down syndrome take over one of our um, like I don't know what the American equivalent would be, but it's like our kindergarten kid channel. Um, oh really? And he's he's the main presenter, which I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool because it's I not something that. that would have happened like 10 years ago. So yeah. it's really cool to see. But I do think, like I say, it's so hard when you say there's limited uh, casting roles for people with disabilities and then they get given to able-bodied people uh, who also don't have an understanding of it, so won't be able to portray it as well either. So it is. It's just a really weird um, way of thinking. But then I suppose that's just the world that we're living in. In terms of, it's very uh, single-minded. I guess is probably the right. I don't know if that's the right word
1: or not. Like, like I understand the mark. I understand the marketing value. I understand you know if they have another actor that you know they, they can act well, that can bring in the money. I understand that. But if you want to tell a story with a disability, I believe you should you know cast them with with the disability. That can play that because it's more authentic and it, and it represents you well. Because I believe in representation for disabilities. I believe in represent, representation, and it's that because everyone should deserve that chance to you know shine. Um, everyone should get that that opportunity. You know whether it be one time or you know how many times, if it's someone with a disability and it's a show specifically about a disability, cast them cast the person with the disability um, yeah. because it, it makes more sense. Definitely. So do you not have any um, any like? presenters
0: on american shows or anything like that no no one has a disability that you know of
1: uh, not that i know i mean the, i don't know if you watched atypical typical did you watch a typical
0: okay no, atypical, I atypical
1: it. is about about a person with autism right it's about a person with autism and just the, the struggle that they live with, with in high school I thought that the actor had autism, but he did, he didn't have he didn't have autism. So it was another able-bodied person that didn't have a disability. So that's what really hurt me, um, especially the movie Wonder. That movie Wonder, Zayn the kid didn't have a disability either. So um, the movies I really, the, the shows that I really enjoy, I think the person has a disability. They don't. So I don't really see a bunch of people with disabilities now doing. I mean, it's it's slowly coming up, but I don't know. It's not more apparent. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, in uh, movie uh, shows um, and that sort of acting, you don't really get it as much. But there is more on sort of our daytime, evening show um, schedule. There is a lot more like disability representation. Like we even have a show over here called The Last Leg, which is uh, essentially it's a talk show, but it's presented by. Uh a guy with a limb difference oh really, and a guy with um a guy with an amputation uh and then I think the other guy's got might might be autistic. I'm not hundred percent sure, but essentially it's it's them just having jokes about disabilities yeah. for like an hour, but it's now become like a mainstream show um and it all started from london twenty twelve Paralympics they started the show then and then kept it because it did so well
1: i love that i i love that the fact that like it, i love the i love when people ma- like people with disabilities we make jokes about our disability all the time we make jokes on you know how we how, hey get up stand up when you're an lecture, stand up get up do yeah it. but you know it's funny because that you know it's funny to us because it's it's our humor it's our humor it's funny though no. so it, the fact that they, they got them mainstream and they get that they they got their own platform for that that warms my heart because we're getting to somewhere in the world where, like, we're getting closer and closer every day to representation and just getting the word out there for disabilities, um and just doing that day by day. Because I know generation by generation, you know, we're all gonna have our stories. We're all gonna have our differences, but I think you know, when we were growing up, we didn't we didn't see anyone with a disability. You know, we didn't see anyone with a disability on TV. We didn't we didn't have you know people that we would look up to with disabilities, but now we are the new generation people that we're we're trying to, you know, make sure the younger generation is having people that that, that they're looking up to.
0: Definitely. Like, I I think one of the nicest things doing all this work on, like, social media is when I get, like, parents messaging me, like, oh, my God, you're such an inspiration for, like, my son or my daughter. It's like, whoa, like, I'm not doing anything special, but thank you, like... And then it's like... as. As well, when you're able to guide, particularly like someone coming into like puberty, able to like guide them through the process of like growing up with a disability, particularly for for me and for you, like people with our condition, cerebral palsy, it's quite nice to guide them through the process and sort of explain that their struggles are not aren't unique, but you're not you're not alone with it. Like I completely understand. Like it's, I know exactly what you're going through. Um. On the, sort of, on the, we were talking about, like, jokes. What's, like, one of the, wor- one of the worst disability jokes that okay, you've had? Okay, what about this? What's the, what's the weirdest experience you've had, like, happen to you? Like, for example, I've had, like, someone say to me, if me and my girlfriend have kids, are they going to come out in wheelchairs and things like that? Have you had anything like that? What? So I had, uh, I was at a bar once, and someone said to me, if... If I was to have kids, would my yeah. kids come out in wheelchairs? So essentially, would my partner's body produce metal?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, like, it's funny. It's funny to me how people think that sometimes. It's funny how it's funny people think that sometimes because they're like, "Oh yeah, you have a disability." Like you're gonna get born with it. You're gonna have a kid with the display. it's gonna just come right out of your you. Not, not no, it it's not
0: a, uh, We're And it's not, not like, a biolo- like it's not a. It's not. Oh, what's the word? It's yeah. It's not biological. It's not biological. But like, <laughs> it, it. could happen. It could not happen. Like I don't like, know. Yeah, but, know
1: the but they yeah. can't have the. They can't have the crutches or the are, Like stuck with Like stuck with it. Your like your wife and just come out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like literally just like yeah, they come out in pink or they come out in blue. It depends <laughs> on. You. Oh, But oh, it was one of the weirdest. Have you had anything as weird? No, as
1: No, like- I've had people call me daddy. I've had people call me daddy. Random like, weird people like like okay, I'm gonna cut you short. So you know, I'm still I'm still in university. Right? I'm still in university. You know, we we're on Zoom because of COVID and everything. I come on, I come in my Zoom class two people in my classroom notice me from my articles, right? They notice me from online. I don't get to say my name. Though. I don't get to say a word until anything, until the one thing I hear is, Hey daddy, I don't know. I'm like, like, who are you talking to? Is there, is there, is there another guy in the class with the kid? i I'm like, is there a kid in the class? Is there somebody? I turn around I'm like, Nope. looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> That's,
0: so they literally just picked you
1: out because of the article. You they did. picked me up from the articles. They picked like, I, I, they must've found me from somewhere. Because I don't, I don't think that anyone in their right mind would say, "Hey, Daddy," on the first day of class. On the first day of class, we're not, without even knowing who the person is. So they must have found me on Google or something. Where does, where does "Hey, Daddy" even come from? Like,
0: where does that whole thing come from?
1: It's it's a very po- like it's a very popular term here in the state. It's very popular here, cause of TikTok <laughs> and everything. And there's all these different things because you know TikTok and just all these you know. Dances and, and, and things in that nature, but like it's, it's, it's weird the first time you hear it from someone else that you don't even know. Like, on the first day of class, it's like, I don't even know you. Uh, the, the worst thing is, in the so in the, the reason I asked was
0: my head went somewhere completely different and went, The only time I've ever heard the phrase daddy used is in like X rated films. <laughs>
1: Well, that, I mean, if you, if you looked on TikTok recently, I mean, there's certain things now, that it can, it could be, it could be. but actually, okay, so what we'll do is we'll finish off
0: with the last question. I know um, me and Mike had a bit of a discussion before, before we went live. So have you, had to, have you had some time to have a think of like, what, what your, what's your one thing that's politically correct that you really strongly disagree with or agree with? Have you had a chance to have a think about it?
1: I've had a chance. I just don't know how to word it. I, you know, I'm glad where we're at now in the world with, with, with social media and just everything. You know, everything comes so far. It's come across so well. I just don't like the fact that people are trying to stick their noses in the business that, that it makes it worse. Um, and the fact that they try to they try to be our advocate, but not be our advocate in the way that is not, you know, totally correct. In a sense, where people say, "Oh, yeah, I support someone with a disability," but they they completely say yeah. something wrong, and they and they don't justify. They don't see our point of view on what's really going on. Like, I feel like yes, you can support people with disabilities, but you have to understand that there's certain things that you know. There's certain things that you and I will understand. People that with people that are able-bodied, yeah. you know, people that don't have disabilities and are able-bodied, there's some things that we won't understand, you know. And there's some things, you know, with us, it's it's a very uh, I don't know if, tab- if taboo is the right word, but it's very, like, a, it's very hush-hush in a sense where people want to get to know us and they want to, you know, yeah. help us in a way, but they don't really understand, you know, what goes on with us, you know, because yeah. everyone, what, what's funny now is that people think of us as inspirations, you know, you and me, you know, I hear now, you know, being called inspirational is a good thing, you know, from parents, you know, from parents and from kids that have disabilities and things of that nature, but it's very, it's very odd that we, as people with disabilities, I think overall in general, we get praised a lot more for just things that are very, very, like, they are normal routines. They're, no, they're normal routines to someone with a, with a normal, with able body. But with us, it's like, oh yeah, he got up yeah, out yeah. of the bed. He's inspirational. He got up and brushed his teeth. That's inspirational. He got up and went to the bathroom. That's inspirational. There's certain things like, like. So is everything we do not inspirational? Like not not everyone with a disability. Like we love you know we love the we love the support we love that. But it's like at a point where like being called inspirational every day for like everyday things, it's very, it's very condescending. You know, it's very taxing. It's like, yeah, I was gonna,
0: I was gonna say it almost becomes condescending. Like it almost becomes like oh we just it, we because we are living our normal lives. That's impressive, and it's like, like no, just I, I don't know how it stuff. is with you
1: for like the rela- for like relationships or like like with your with your partner. I don't know. If, I don't know how that is. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how that came across with other friends or people that see you on social media. Like, oh yeah, that's great. You know, they have a person with the disability and just another person that doesn't have a disability. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's an inspiration. Yeah, like it's very, it's very weird because we can't. We're like, we try to live our normal lives the best way we can. But the fact of the matter is, people. Say like yes, you're an inspiration. to Everyday things, you're so inspiring. I want to be, you know, you make me do better. Yeah. But it's like, we just got up, we just got out of bed. We just, you know, we're trying to live our best the lives the way we can, the way we can do what we want to do. Um, so that to me is very, that to me is very odd and just very shocking to me that we still haven't gone to that hump of, you know, yes, thank you for the support, thank you for positivity, thank you for all the love you give us. But like, is it really genuine? Is it really genuine?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: What do you so? What What do you think we can do to change that? I be mean, honest with you, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Um, because with everything I do now, you know, I've gotten a lot of press. I've gotten a lot of interviews. I've gotten a lot of things, and I'm very blessed for it. But it, it's just the same spill over and over. You're like, oh, you're inspirational. You're inspirational. You're all this and that. I'm mean, like, yes, I love. I love that. Thank you. But it's like, I know it's a good marketing title. You know, I know it's a good marketing title. I know certain things in the aspect. It's a good marketing. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's like, how can we change that? You know, not to say that we don't deserve the praise, but why, like, why can't we be accepted yeah. like anyone else? You know, like we're doing that day by day. But I, I don't hear anybody else without a disability saying, oh, yeah, you're an inspirational, my guy. You're an inspirational. Like, I don't hear anybody else, yeah. you know, if we didn't have disabilities, I I don't think we would get that much. You know what I am saying? Like, I think yeah. people that don't have disabilities, it's like they don't hear that as often.
0: Do you think it's more to do with like if the, the lack of education around disability? Do you reckon it's maybe that? I
1: think yeah, I think it's the, the the lack of education, the fact that in schools, especially like I don't know, I don't know how it is in the UK, but here in, yeah. here in the US, we're not taught disability education. We're not taught that. We're not taught that in public school. We're not taught that in anything. You have to go to forums. You have to go to like different programs with disabilities to be able to, like to learn about disability culture and education and all that stuff. Because yeah. a lot of things I learned, I never really, I never realized until like I was seventeen. I really, I, I never really knew what disability like education was. I never really knew that. So I think the more we push out content yeah. of us living day to day and just you know being who we are, the way I look at it is this: everyone is born with something in their life. You know, we're all born with a gift. We're all born with something and being born with a disability. That's our physical gift, but we have something yeah. that's our physical attribute. We have something more to bring to the table. You know, we're not all, you know, we're not yeah. all handicapped to not do what we want to do. You know, we're all putting the stigma in this bowl of this pool of, Oh, he has a disability. He can't do this. He can't do that. But we all have, we all have these gifts that we can give, you know, we all learn, we all learn how to love, like with relationships, with things in nature, we all have those yeah. hidden gifts that we're never, told are never, you know, seen, um, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: I mean, would you say so? Going back to your point of like, edu- um, it not being taught in schools, would you say that is something that maybe both of our like governments need to explore is possibly doing like a a specific module on disability and sort of giving people a overview of the topic. I
1: I I honestly think that if if we're able to do that, that's a plus. And I also think if we're able to have. If we're able to have if we're able to have speakers that have disabilities that are able to do that, you know, we're able to have school tours and people that are public speakers and able to give that point of view on their life and hey, this is what I did, you know, here I am now. I used to be like you, type of thing. But, I, but what I see is that. You know, being born with a disability, I don't know if this happened to you, but when I was younger, we got put into a special education room, so like far off from the other, from the other normal from the other normal kids, you know, from the other able-bodied kids. So that's how we that's how I, that's how I had to live. That's how I had a group because I had a group with other people with disabilities. Um, so we're all pushed off to the side, thinking that oh yes, it's better for everyone. But when you yeah. get out when you get out of that program, when you try to get involved with other people, what you know, without disabilities, it's very hard for us to communicate. It's very hard for us to put our point of view aside because we, we grew up in that, you know, classroom where everyone with a disability, you know, we're all treated, you know, put aside basically.
0: That's really interesting because I, although like, so we have that, but like you spend like a, a quarter of your time in that um, group, so in the, the disability group and then you're re, like the rest of the time you're integrated into the the mainstream with the able-bodied kids. So it's really interesting that that was your experience and I'm interested. It's interesting that that's the, is that the US's approach to it? Is that still something you think that happens that, now? That, that's something
1: that happens now for sure. Um, like I, I remember in high school I, w- I was put in the integrated, you know, I was put in the integrated with all the people without disabilities. Um, cause we gave the IEP, the FIBA for, you know, the, the different services that will help us with tests and things of that nature. Um, but growing up, you're put in that system. You're put into, you know, the room with everyone with the disability because that's what we're looked at. That's what we're, that's what we're overlooked at. Um, so a lot of time when I, when we were younger, when I was younger, and when I look at now, is that we're all you know separated. You know, when you go outside to recess, when you go outside to play, you have to be separated from the other kids. You know, it's like kind of yeah, like, yeah. like the cheese touch in a sense. You know, like like di- diarrhea with a wonky kid or something like that. You're like the cheese touch. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Like we're kind of represented as that when we we're younger, but then when we we're integrated with people without disabilities, it's like I want you know I yeah. want to I want to fit in. You know, you try to find that that the balance of fitting in and trying. You know, not trying not trying to change yourself, but trying to find yourself in a sense of you know I want to fit in too. I, I want to be quote unquote yeah, normal, yeah. but not, not yeah. everyone is quote unquote normal. I mean, what is norm? What is normality in a sense? I mean, I don't think there. I don't think
0: there is a, a normal, and I think that was my biggest thing that I learned through school. Uh, where like, I, I when I first started, particularly in uh, what you'd call high school, um, I went in and I was like, right, I want to get in. I want to get in with the popular kids. I want to be normal. Quotation marks. But then, as I went through my schooling, I kind of realised that the popular group wasn't my group. Like, I didn't fit. I didn't fit and I didn't want to, exactly. I didn't fit and I didn't want to fit. So then I found the group of friends that I ha- actually have now and it, it it more fell into place. But what I found really interesting about what you just said it was like so it almost still cuz from uh, a British side of things we're off we often look at the US in terms of medically and things so that to support the people with disabilities as more advanced than what we have here. Um and that it's really interesting that that almost to my ears it sounds like you guys haven't come as far forward in terms of educa like in terms of uh, disability education. Because as I say, for us, for, well, for me, I was integrated into the mainstream school pretty much straight away.
1: Yeah. So that was really interesting. And I'm surprised that that's the setup. Yeah, I, really. I think. Yeah. I mean, I understand now as as I'm older that I understand why we weren't integrated straight away from preschool, but it's like, how do we, how do we come out from this? How do we fix this? Because again, I don't, it's rare that you hear disability education on a level now. I mean, you have to go to like leadership. You have to go to different programs. You have to like go to clubs to hear that. But in high school, you don't hear that. You know, in public school, you do not hear that. Yep. So that's me just mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, it's really weird like um, cuz to in my mind like integrating in kindergarten would have been the best time to do it because kids are probably the best people to do that with because they don't know like they they don't have any prejudgments whereas the older you get you start developing bring your own prejudgments you start developing what's what's cool, what's not cool, what what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Exactly. So almost if you're integrated straight away, the kids are just going to treat you like any other kid because they don't know any other way to be. And I almost feel like that's the perfect place to be because
1: you're going to be treated as one of them, if that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you can talk to many people with disabilities. You know, we've always wanted to feel accepted. We've always wanted to feel loved in a sense that, you know, we're not, we're not, you know, labeled off as, oh yeah, that, that one kid that looks like, you know, with the disability, he, he looks like a monster, you know. You know, we 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 always desire that. I've always desired that as a young age, still, you know. I've always, before I found theater, before I found anything else, before I found bodybuilding, before I found social media, I've always desired to to feel that love and the feel that I fit in, you know, accepted by everyone. And not not to say that I want everyone to love me. But the fact that, you know, growing up, you want to get that. You just want to feel normal in a sense that, oh, okay, not everyone's going to judge me off my disability.
0: Yeah, you want to find your your space, if you like. You want to find that place where you feel fully comfortable to be yourself and and be who you are intrinsically. Whereas a lot of the time, I suppose, where we're always trying to fit in, we don't really allow ourselves to... To fully become exactly, and
1: and that and that, that was me for a long time before I found theater, before I found bodybuilding, before I found everything that I do now. Um, so I'm just very glad that you know, social media has grown to a bigger, bigger platform in a sense where we're able to talk to millions of people around the world and just anywhere, and we're able to, you yeah. know, people are able to have that knowledge on their phone, you know, on their on their smartphone, and just you know, connect and just and do their mm-hmm. own research. Because without that, I don't think, you know, the disability education, or the you know, without a quote unquote disability education class, we're able to learn on our own. Like, hey, there are people around the world that have the same yeah. disabilities more people that have this own, you know, they have the same struggles as me, you know, with their disability, you know. And I think that's what's very a blessing about social media, because we never had a quote unquote class, but we, social media is like it's like. It's like YouTube. It's like YouTube University. We have to look at YouTube to, you know, do certain things. It's kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting as well, because I feel
0: like as well, social media at the moment has got quite a bad reputation in terms of that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of like negativity that's shared oh, of course, um, yeah. and things like that. So like, it's quite nice and almost refreshing to sort of hear your perspective of how like it's helping the disabled community and helping people learn, and I, to be honest, I'd never even sat down and thought about it before. So Absolutely, really I mean, of point. course,
1: we we all, we always have, you know, the bullies, the negative thoughts, the negative, the negative comments. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone is always going to be, you yeah. know, mean or or a jerk about something behind the camera, you know, because not everyone, you know. It you know for example if you were yeah. meet, if you were to meet your bully or something like that like they won't say it to your face you know the, everyone wants to feel empowered you know through a screen but at the end of the day they won't they won't come up to you straight away and say hey you know you look yeah. weird straight to your face because they they feel they feel scared you know everyone feels empowered to do that but at the end of the day I feel like I've learned that fear is nothing to be afraid of fear is just a word fear and power and just the the ideology of being negative on yourself and the native neg- in the negative comments. Those are just words, What you feel within yourself. You look at the, you look at the words, you look at the negative, you look at the negative comments, you look at everything that's put in front of you, you yeah. look at it, you know, straight on and say, it's just a word, you know, every little thing that, you know, they could say, Oh yeah, you look like a, you look like Pinocchio. You look like a four eyes with glasses. Yeah. You, you, you look like noodle legs or something, you know, those are just words. Your face on those fears, and you look at it like a word—nothing else, nothing more. That's
0: really powerful. That's probably a great, great place to finish off. What, a, what a way to finish! Um, right, <laughs> last of all, I always give it—give my guests a chance to shout themselves out. Where can they find you? What are you working on? What do you want them to know? And yeah, so the floor is yours. Where, where do you want to point them to? Okay, well, thank
1: you everyone for watching. Uh, my name is mike my name is mike infante you can follow me on instagram at mikey infante Uh, same thing for youtube mikey infante with two y's and uh yeah you can just connect with me and i I love connecting with everyone so i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and thank you again charlie and uh, i love you all have a wonderful day and take care
0: thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the not quite podcast please make sure you follow us on tiktok and instagram to get regular updates about the podcast